0: This is a story about a dude named Lane. He moved to the mainland and bought one place to stay. And then one day he went, try to rent them out. And then he became one real investor man. Hey, Simple Pass to Cashflow listeners. Today, we have another coaching call for an accredited investor. Net worth is around a couple million. He's got a Pretty decent size rental property portfolio, but the question we're going to try and answer and strategize is how do we get into the simple passive cash flow gravy train, pay less taxes while working the the day job. Hey, Steve, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Thanks for doing this. I, I know a lot of people will get a lot of value out of it. And I think a lot of people will get to your position. One of these days, but I uh, want you to give people a little bit of background on yourself and how you came into this world of alternative investing. And-
1: okay, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, Lane. Again, my name is Steve. I'm an accredited investor. I actually own a company in the construction industry here in California where I reside. I've, I've been living in California now for about 20 years. originally grew up in Pennsylvania and made my way west, stopped in Texas for a few years where I worked as a Mechanical engineer before I uh, transitioned into sales and uh, made my way to California. Even had a background. I worked at UBS and financial services for two years in between uh, doing equipment sales and ended up acquiring a, a business from one of the competitors to where I had sold equipment before, which was a nice transition since I had quite a bit of background in mechanical engineering. And uh, But the time at UBS did open my eyes up a lot about what's going on. It was very interesting to see that the most financial advisors there knew absolutely nothing about investing. Uh, and I don't know if I should really say that or not, but it's, you know, for most of the financial advisors were really there to, to gather assets. And there was a financial planning aspect. I shouldn't say that I learned a ton in the couple of years I was there and it was a good uh, way for me to diversify from my uh, mechanical a- uh, engineering background and, and really learn a lot about some other things. Before I ended up acquiring the business and and really starting to to grow that and really start to, you know, build my net worth. My first rental property, uh, I purchased a fourplex back in Pennsylvania, next to where I went to university, probably about 15 years ago. I knew some other people. I knew the area because it was I where I went to to school back at Pucknell. So I bought a a place back there. And that's more of a place where you're going to see a a cash flowing type real estate. You're not going to see a lot of appreciation. I don't know that it was the best investment when I made it. It was a fairly old building and definitely over the years, I've put put some money into that because it was probably a hundred year old building when I bought it. For the most part, I I do get at this point, 15 years later, I, I get quite a bit of cash flow off of it. For the most part, that one's almost paid off. But then I hooked up with another property manager there and they started bringing me deals. there. And then I I bought another unit that actually bought the, the unit next door to the one that I had, which was a vacant building at the time. The the owner really just didn't keep up with it and it lost its occupancy permit at some point. I had the opportunity a few years ago to kind of go and add to my portfolio there. And uh, so I went and uh, bought that building and fixed that up. And uh, that was a seven unit apartment building next to the fourplex I bought. And that sevenplex I found actually after it took a while and a significant amount of money and probably more money than I'd originally budgeted, which is especially that's again, another probably hundred year old building that uh, wasn't occupied at the time, but it was right next to the building I owned and actually cleaning that one up and ha- getting that fully rented now probably made the building I have next to it probably a little bit more valuable. At least that's one of the symmetries I thought about. Well, let, but.
0: Let's pause there, Steve, a little bit. Let's catch people up. Okay. So, like. Your profile is pretty typical. A lot of my investors are engineers, technical background. You've moved off to a different industry, but today's you're in sales. And that's something I, I notice is very common. The guys who are the linear path thinkers are the ones that stay in their technical roles. And you guys, I'm sure you'll vouch for this. That I've heard it from a lot of other people in similar situation that the sales job that if you can speak the technical language in the sales job, that's like the ideal strategy and lifestyle and, and highest pay. Oh, for sure.
1: And now I own a company where I hire technical salespeople. And I actually have a very interesting story about how I was recommended to go into technical sales. I don't know if it's interesting or not, but, but yeah. But if you can actually speak the technical language and understand the interpersonal relations with people and going out and, convincing them and being able to to speak in layman's term and be able to speak the technical jargon and be able to accurately and, and quickly learn products and be able to actually articulate and go out and speak to people. Yeah, you can earn a lot more money than the pe- person that's just going to sit there and you know run calculations and, and not be able to have those effective communication skills, I think, especially now that I hire a lot of people doing that as well, to find that person that can handle both the technical aspect and the people aspect. It's a rare commodity, and it sounds like you're in that boat as
0: well with the technical background. Yeah, we can do a spreadsheet or two, but we can talk to people. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> most anybody can learn to, to talk
0: to people that can learn to do the
1: spreadsheet, but it's some of those innate qualities of being able to have the intercommunication skills and being able to relate to other people, uh, sometimes more difficult to, to learn right. that, that side of the business.
0: And I think as a credit investor, that's the name of the game is building connections with other accredited investors. Of course, getting in the right room is a big thing, but once you're in the right room, being able to build organic relationships, which I think kids these days, especially in a pandemic world are just SOL. Gonna- yeah, I don't. It'll be interesting to see
1: what happens. I have a daughter. That's one of the other things about my background. I have an 11 year old daughter now. And last year she finished up her school on Zoom. This year, you know, she's doing two days a week in Zoom and two half days in person. Really being able to learn at that age to form those interpersonal relationships is probably one of the most important things in life. And if you're having to do school on Zoom and not really having some of the, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the long-term impacts of our society. Hopefully it's only for a year here, but we can get back to normal and the, the kids aren't, they can get back to forming those interpersonal relationships. And really probably, you know, one of the best things about learning, at least That's some of the things I hope for the next generation, especially with my daughter.
0: You're right on the verge here. Your net worth is around two and a half million. If we can get you up to four and a half, we can turn that daughter into a trust fund kid pretty easily. So we don't have to worry about that too much.
1: Yeah. Um, And to be honest, like that's my net worth excluding my business. Yeah, that's icing on top of the cake. Let's try and get that's just top of the cake, and that's how I've looked at it from my personal perspective. If at the end of the day, I do wanna sell that business and if I am fortunate enough to be able to get anything out of selling that business, that'll just be icing on the cake. I really wanna build my net worth and my passive income so that I don't have to rely on my primary business during the day and I don't have to worry about it because I have seen, and that's one of the things I've seen in my life, so many small business owners really just overvalue their business and when they go to sell it, They put such a high value on their business. They can't sell it because they can never get as much as they think it's worth. And I guess I've been coached along the way because I've been on both sides of the fence, working, I did sales and then I did a little bit of financial advisory work. And now I'm a business owner. So I try to see it from all sides of the perspective here. I don't want to have to rely on being able to sell my business for an astronomical amount that I might not be able to get someday to be able to retire, I really want to build my assets and my passive income to, you know, really be able to take care of my lifestyle outside of my business. And then if I am fortunate enough to be able to sell my business for a good amount at some point, you know, that'll be, like you said, icing on top of the cake.
0: Yeah. I I think what I would like for you is get proof of concept with this 2 million bucks before, see if this is all a sham or not. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. So that when you can sell the business, you definitely just triple charge yourself and, Go to light yeah. speed with this stuff we work with hard-working professionals looking to opt out of investments for the clueless i mean mainstream investing we work with people we have a direct relationship while enjoying higher returns and a quicker path to financial freedom i personally move my endorsement from turnkey rentals to syndications as my net growth has grown however the downside of many of these deals is that you need at least fifty thousand dollars to invest and the frequency of deals that meet my criteria is sporadic Check out my article at simplepassivecashflow.com slash OFUND and learn how I always have cash on hand by using the American Home Preservation Fund as part of this one-two punch to be ready for a great deal while still making a double-digit return. I have been investing in AHP since 2016. AHP is a crowdfunding solution to the mortgage crisis in America, where collectively, the fund and investors like you pull their money together, and get great bulk discounts on distressed mortgages. It's a business model that I think gets stronger should a bump in the economy come, because this is where there will be even more distressed inventory for HP to purchase. The American Home Preservation Fund aims to keep people in their homes so you can make a 10% return while making a positive social impact. Invest in as little as $100 by going to hpservicingcom investors. And if you want the free Burn Zone book and learn about George Newberry's story, please send me an email at lane at simplepassivecashflow.com. I like to buy stuff. Well, that's a liability. Going back to the rentals, so like this one, 606 Lake, and this one here, you bought in a previous life right a long time yeah. ago where were you at like career wise or like net worth wise back then or
1: so career wise i didn't have much of a net worth probably then and and the 606 lake street to be honest i've never sold a piece of real estate <laughs> gave one away in a divorce one time but i've never sold a, a piece of real estate 606 lake street was one of my first purchases but it's a condo in, in the city that i live in and I was where it was my primary residence at the time. I was very fortunate in life. When I did go into technical sales, I was able to quickly become probably one of the top technical sales reps in the company that I was working for very quickly and became a high earner. You know, I was like making a high six figure income at that time. Really, I started out of college with maybe a thousand dollars in my pocket, just from working summer's lifeguarding back in Pennsylvania. So I really didn't have much of a net worth, but I was fortunate when I did go into sales, I lived off of my base salary and every one of my bonuses that I got from doing sales, I, I started putting away, started maxing out my 401k every year. As soon as I started, as I moved to California 20 years ago, so, so that's really helped as well. But you know, like I said, that 606, I I really didn't have much of a net worth. Then I was fortunate enough to have a 10% deposit which surprisingly in 2005, when I went to the bank and told them I had enough for a 10% deposit, they're like, wow, most people hardly have anything. Because that was the time when everybody was doing negam loans and all kind of crazy things that ended up causing that uh, great recession in 2007. But so I, I'd say I really didn't have a lot of a net worth at that point. I was really just starting to, to build from scratch, if you will. I was fortunate enough to, to be successful at work. I was doing, as, working as a sales engineer during the day, had a pretty good high six figure income at the time for being fairly young at the time in my 20s. But I went and bought the 606 Lake Street again. That was my primary residence at the time. After I moved out, I really just turned it into a rental. The, the 119 place in Pennsylvania, I went and acquired that as sort of somewhat trying to start building my passive income and as an investment strategy as well.
0: But so, so if you guys have been also check this out on the YouTube channel, we have the personal financial sheet up and the property cash flow worksheet up. Steve was talking. I was playing around with some numbers here. I got the amount of equity you have in each of these properties, and I did some quick calculations on the percentage of equity you have. So the game plan here is to go after. You kind of know this. You're, you know how this. Game, we got to go shoot the I don't know whatever animal you like to eat. Buffalo, the fattest <laughs> buffalo here. So that's probably looking at like this 301 North property that you acquired in 2016. You have no mortgage on it. Is that right? No, I bought
1: that one for cash. And being that one's in, in the South, that I was fortunate enough to, I think, catch a good rise. And versus the, the properties I bought in the Northeast, I would say never really appreciated that much. That one, which was in the South, you seem to get good appreciation down there. Because so many of the folks are moving from the Northeast and going South, it seems. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, great Shifts is the book about that. What okay. did
1: you buy that one for? I, I bought that for $65,000 cash. I just paid cash for it at the time, but it's, it was located in a redeveloping area outside of a city down in Florida. It was a redeveloping area at the time. And it, it's funny on that property. i probably get two, three calls a week from people trying to buy that property from me now, but I bought it for about 65,000. I did have to go in and needed a new air conditioner, some new plumbing, some new electrical, but it's a nice three bedroom property down there in Florida
0: and you don't put any other like improvements in it a $225,000 capital gain is that right i
1: don't know i guess that's an estimate it could be a high estimate too i mean
0: people always say oh i gotta check with my cpa it's like your cpa it's gonna take them two hours to figure this out and they're gonna ask you the same questions i'm asking you now that could be a little bit of a high
1: estimate yeah that could be a little bit of a high estimate on that that property but that's what i do get quite a bit of calls nobody's probably quite offered me that for it but I, like I said, I did make some improvements on it. Like I, I did new plumbing, new electrical, new air conditioning, or a couple maybe new windows and things like that. And it was about five years ago, but that part of Florida really seems to have been a redeveloping area. And I think I got that one for a, a pretty good deal. I bought it from somebody who was looking to sell it. It was a, a cash as is deal. So I'm sure I bought that way under market at the time as well. So it was probably also a good purchase. This is $300,000. It might be, maybe it's only 250 I, or maybe it's even 200, but. It's definitely probably, it's in that range. I don't know. I've always put 300 in there. But. Okay.
0: Let me just cut you down to 250. Yeah. Just for, just for calculation sake. And then what I'm also trying to do is you got to add a little bit more, maybe like 20 grand to each of these for the depreciation recapture. Okay. You know what that is, right? Like you're probably yeah, thinking I mean, a loss on the building value every year. And then this, the property that you bought. 15 years ago, 2005, 2006, maybe I'm just going to hard type that in an extra, maybe 50 grand.
1: So how do you monetize that depreciation recapture, if you will? Because I don't know, is there a way to monetize that or?
0: I'm just throwing in a placeholder of 50 grand. Here's how you do it. would you buy this one at? The yeah. 606 Lake, would you buy it at? So I actually paid 665000 for that one back in 2005 okay and where's this at okay so expensive area so this is good for taxes because i'm just shooting from the hip here like usually one third of the property value or 0.33 percent of that six six hundred sixty five thousand dollars is the building value yeah yeah the improvements
1: versus the land correct and
0: some of the other ones i'll use a third for or two thirds of the building so that's the total um, building value is 221000 And then, and then I'm going to divide that by 27 years. Yeah.
1: And I know yeah. my accountant on an annual basis on my taxes does use some of that. And I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, but I know my accounting firm that I use does do depreciate
0: those assets and the rentals versus the net income that I get from it on an annualized basis. Yeah. So they are probably doing around 8200 bucks a year. And we're doing the math right here. It's super simple. It's not perfect, but it's close enough for government work or for our purposes. Yeah. You've owned this for what, 15 years?
1: Yeah, about 15 years.
0: So I'm gonna say $123,000 is what I think you should add to your capital gain.
1: Oh, I see. So oh. what you're saying is, yeah, you're adding that back into the capital gain.
0: Yeah. So I'm gonna do that. The same thing to that other one that you bought in 2008. That yeah. one you bought, and you one... bought for what, 220? Uh, no, 100. 000? Yeah, 189,000. Okay. Just call it two hundred grand, just to be more conservative. And that's in California too, or
1: no? That one's in Pennsylvania, so that the land value is
0: probably much less for sure there compared to yeah, yeah. Call it half because half are Democrats, half are Republicans. Uh Stay away from that. I don't know. I don't know how. It's definitely not like Texas or Alabama or Georgia. I don't know. Let's just call it half. Deal half. Split state as we know it is it's a split state for sure and then you own that one for what about 14 years yep so boom 51 grand so then we take we add that to that and then that this is our real tax one this one it's we could probably do the same math actually let me i'll just i don't i don't know if i want to do that but i just added such a low
1: purchase price yeah
0: yeah these are like you bought it sold a little bit only like a few years ago, it's probably not much. Yeah. If I would just be conservative, maybe add up an extra 20 grand, I don't know. But the big ones, we got right. Yeah. So the reason why I'm doing that is like, you're going to sell these things, but let's also look at, it's a two-factor decision here. We have to go kill the buffalo that is the fattest and not doing anything, the laziest money, which is this one and this one. But we also have to factor in, all right, when we do that, will we have $195,000 of passive losses to offset that transaction. This is the decision okay. process. Or if we, instead, maybe we go after this one first. That's $150,000 of passive losses. Or okay. I know you went into the last deal with us in Houston. I don't know how much you put in, but let's just say you put in a hundred. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, didn't do the Houston one. I did the Dallas one and the Alabama one. So I did okay. two deals, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the Dallas one. The, Dang, the- hopefully you got your check already. I did. Yes, I got my first sure.
1: check from investing in, in one of the Simple Passive cash flow uh, in one oh. of Lane's deals. So oh, I did. Gosh, I just got worked. it. Yeah, it worked. I got my first check. So my, yeah. So <laughs> check.
0: You, oh, you did but, you get your K-1.
1: No, I didn't get a K-1. I did. Uh, I invested in that one. It was called The Colony. Oh. I invested in that one this summer. What was it? Maybe June or okay. May, yeah. June. Yeah. So you haven't like
0: got that. your K-1. You'll get your K-1 in March for that. Yeah. But my guess, that was pre- all these so like lately like all these deals have like these covid reserves that dilutes the pot so it lowers the amount of deduction. so i think with colony don't quote me on this of course we're on recording here but maybe you're (laughs) gonna see if you put in a hundred grand you're gonna get like 60 to 80 thousand dollars of passive losses back okay let's just go with that okay (laughs) so i don't know how much passive losses you have you have to look up I think it's the 58 something form people can figure out this form go to my tax page at simplepassive slash tax but this is a question to ask your cpas okay can you go to my tax 58 or whatever form and tell me how much passive losses i have now i'm just guesstimating with the amount of stuff you have i'm guessing you have maybe a hundred thousand dollars of passive losses plus or minus 50 is what i'm guessing so it's with your possible i don't know off the top of my head but yeah Usually you're surprised that you have more than what you think. Typically okay. labeled as pals. So now you have to, you went into the colony for a hundred grand. Let's just say you get, I don't know, to be conservative, $60,000 of passive losses. So now you're okay. walking around with $160,000 of passive losses.
1: And then I did the one in Alabama too, which is, I don't, that was more of a, a
0: build up deal. I don't know if there's going to be passive losses for that. Yeah. Not until we put the asset in service so that'll okay. be on the 2021 k1 just for just to show this scenario let's say you that was a regular deal right where it wasn't the development deal where you got the losses this year or it was already making money as long as we can we're making one dollar we can do we can give you the losses that exceed the income so let's just say you, that one maybe you got seventy thousand dollars of passive losses i'm just saying yeah. so you add this up let's just say you're walking around with $230,000 of passive losses. So that would allow you to sell this asset, take your $195,000 depreciation recapture and tax hit, but then you have $230,000 to offset it. So okay. you deduct this from your two hundred thirty, dollars and you should still have some leftover, but yeah. you take this deal and there's what? $250,000 of equity, equity and that's the game plan. You got the deployment tab. We'll get Maybe we'll get to the deployment tab on this personal financial sheet, but that might be I don't know what your goals are for twenty twenty one, but maybe that's your goal is to invest all two hundred and fifty thousand dollars into two or three deals, or whatever. Okay. And then let's just say you you invest that money and, and at a fifty percent ratio, maybe you get hundred twenty five thousand dollars or more passive losses to replenish that. That kind of makes okay. sense.
1: Yeah. So if I invested that 250, I might get another 125,000 passive losses
0: for the the following year. Yeah. And this is what I call the simple passive cash flow gravy train. You don't seem like a drug user, but if you were a drug user in the rock and roll days, this is going from one high to the next. Any questions on that? No, I kind of get the
1: concept where you're redeploying, you're selling those assets that are appreciated and going back in and redeploying those assets in something that's flowing more cash. That's or a higher rate of return, really, that's what you're talking about doing.
0: You got a lot of things going on. You got the, which buffalo you're going to go and hunt down yeah. first. This isn't I mean, going mean, to happen overnight. This is probably yeah. two or three years to sell all these.
1: Yeah. And then I also, I've been redeploying quite a bit of cash. I made probably four or $500,000 in investments this year alone, just based off of last year was a good year. My income as a business owner now is completely variable, but in a good year, I can go and invest significant. Some yeah. as well.
0: And I think that's good. Like you segregate, that's what I do with my business yeah. my education side. Like I segregate my investing. And, and sometimes I'll have even my wife will have her investment stuff that I segregate even more just so I can see how I'm doing. But we'll look at this personal financial sheet. And what I looked here is like, all right, what velocity are you moving at just at a cash flow standpoint? So you make about thirty-seven thousand of income, your expenses going out is actually pretty good i've seen people that make a third of the less money of you have just as much expenses so you're doing a good job there the magic number the net is twenty seven thousand a month so yeah you're in the top one percent of my investors i would say if you're making if you're able to net more than 100 grand you're doing super well okay
1: yeah and to be honest like those income numbers are They don't really include the profits of my business either. In good years, it can be significantly higher than that. But in bad years, if you run a a business in any type of industry, especially with COVID this year, we may not make it. We're certainly not going to make a lot of bonuses or anything like that other than that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my clients are just working stiffs, the W2 guys. But there are some business owners, definitely a minority of my clients are business owners, so they can relate. But, But yeah, if... I would say if, whether you're a business owner or your W-2 guy, if you're netting more than a hundred grand a year and your net worth is a million dollars, at least you're on the, you're going to be in five or 10 years. You're, you're going to hit financial freedom unless you spend a lot of money. Yeah. But uh, that, and that is
1: the, the trick. Cause if it's sitting there, people tend to spend it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I would, the reason why I say, I just want to point that out to you is because you're doing like better than two and a half times that, so I would, you're, you're going to get there. I don't know if, what kind of lifestyle you live, but yeah, fly first class, buy a nice car. Yeah, relax a little bit. Just take your time getting there.
1: Yeah, that's for
0: sure. So yeah, I think that's just a matter of you don't really need to sell these types of properties because you have so much cash flow coming in, you can invest your normal liquidity, mm-hmm. but maybe just I don't know if these are fun to you. They're probably not. What rental property is fun? Just to simplify your life and lower your liability, getting rid of these rental properties. Like I would be concerned with one of these rental properties than 10, the liability and 10 or 20 LP investments. Okay. I don't know what you're doing with asset protection now. We don't have to get into this, but because it's recorded, but For you, I would definitely be looking into more of an irrevocable trust or something more heavy-duty, like a bridge trust. Um, Yeah, we can
1: talk about that. I really haven't done too much. Yeah, there are certainly
0: things I have done already, but yeah, Yeah. I don't know if I've done everything yet either on that. But yeah, definitely get rid of the direct rentals. Simplify your life. but yeah any questions you had Uh, some of the things i really haven't
1: you said you are a proponent of the infinite banking thing and that that was something i put on there you know i've had a couple scenarios run and i guess how do you utilize that infinite banking concept do you yourself have a whole life policy and do that It, it is something i'm looking into but haven't really done it but it is something you've mentioned to me before i've heard on your things that you do how do you utilize that and does that help increase your cash flow
0: I personally do it, but you gotta find other guys that are in your situation. I guess maybe you and I are in the same situation. A lot of guys in my mastermind, I put them together because they're in the same situations. They're W-2 guys, yeah. but I need to have a few hundred thousand dollars in case a deal doesn't go that well, or we need to put money in escrow as a requirement of the lender. So for me, it's a very good like place to store liquidity because I need okay. it in hand. Whereas if you're just a W-2 guy, doctor you don't really need that much liquidity you can run pretty lean i don't know how you do things whether you keep cash reserves in the business
1: i do keep cash reserves within our business as well and we have obviously lines of credit with our corporate banking relationships we have lines of credit for things with the business as well but i I do like to keep some liquidity on hand but i have gone and invested very aggressively at times and taken that down you know i do need to keep some liquidity obviously because of the the rental properties because things come up but you might need a new roof somewhere or you might need a yeah, bunch of appliances somewhere but
0: worry about if it's 50 grand 100 grand or less that's menial right like i'm talking a yeah. capital overlay of a quarter million half a million for your business that you okay. potentially need that's what yeah, i use Infinite banking yeah. for personally Right. But yeah, I would probably put you in the category of just you can probably run pretty lean with your liquidity. Therefore, you can load up your infinite banking and just start investing in the majority of it. Where I, what I'm saying is for me, I load up my infinite banking, but I got to keep it in there.
1: My thought with the infinite banking was I could load up money in there and then deploy it into something like these LPs or other rental investments or other passive potential passive
0: cash flow. For you, it's a no brainer. But for okay. the guy who's like under half a million dollars net worth, they need to get every penny they have and not funnel it through something where they're going to get hit on fees 10, 20% their first few years. They need to invest it. Where this is perfect for you because you're a little bit inefficient with your liquidity. You got a bunch of liquidity parked in rentals. You got money coming in. I don't know if
1: I call some of those rentals liquidity. Uh, yeah, uh, but just, yeah. just
0: in your like your money. Yep. Yeah, your net. 200 thousand plus a year i don't know what your practices on your just personal finances on your checking account savings account how much liquidity do you keep in there but i would move towards keeping most of it in your infinite banking and maybe less than 10 20 grand in your checking account okay but that's what
1: you do some of your cash on hand you move into the infinite banking because even if you're getting that three four percent at least that's what i've seen from some of the illustrations that you know and it also takes that what four to five years now maybe six years to where what you're putting in kind of hurdles over the, to you're actually getting money. You need to be setting it up where that whole life policy needs to run for a significant amount of time before you start seeing higher cash values than what you're putting into it.
0: Yeah, but if you would have taken all those like fancy things they show you, it's not entirely true. They don't okay. compare it if you would have taken that money and put it into a rental or a syndication. If you do that, that's going to skyrocket way more. So there's opportunity loss costs that not taking into effect, but you don't need to be super efficient, right? Like you're paying costs to, to silo, to put this money that's tax-free and it is off the table of litigators for the most part. There's a benefit you're getting and there's a cost you're paying for it. And for you, okay. it's, it's a no brainer, yeah, but so it's just, it's just yeah. to what extent, let me just throw something out. Let me know what your thoughts are. If you're able to save 200 grand a year, and you're making a commitment to at least going into a couple deals every year. So maybe 150 thousand dollars you're deploying every year religiously, okay. and that leaves you 50 grand of play money. Maybe I would throw in at least 30 grand a year. I would feed into a policy. Okay. Um, yeah, I had been looking
1: at 25. But yeah, that's kind yeah. of yeah. I, I always I say
0: I tell people start off with a lot less than they think they need because when I did it, I did 50 grand a year. I got a few years in, I was like, oh shoot, this is a lot of money because then I started to go into all oh, these yeah. deals and my money disappeared.
1: Yeah, your liquidity <laughs> dries up outside of the cash flow bank, at least it yeah. disappeared. Yeah.
0: But okay. now my deals are starting to go full cycle and cash out. So I have big liquidity events. So now I'm going to make a much bigger policy for myself to right size. And that's the idea, like once you make a policy, like my strategy is making a policy. They're usually like five to seven years get as the shortest period as you can and then go in knowing that maybe in the next two or three years as you start to see this strategy play out you layer another one on top of it you layer another one on top like
1: layering whole life policies or infinite banking concept type policies if you will you don't necessarily need to do it all at once you can go in and do one and just get the shortest time frame to where it's actually cash flowing
0: flexible i don't think it's too much of a pain to do the physical thing and do the application. No, no, it's not that. Yeah. I say that because the life insurance guy is always gonna be like trying to sign you up for the longest one. Like it's of just in nature. You yeah, know, you're the salesman.
1: <laughs> yeah, you want the one with the shortest duration. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And then for me, as especially as a business owner, tax reduction strategies really have to be top of mind. And especially living in California, <laughs> you know, the California government seems to be going crazy on us with what they want to do for taxes. Not to mention, we're going to be coming under a new administration who's already talking about maybe increasing taxes as well. Tax reduction strategies obviously are something that are very key to me as well. And I don't know if you guys have any good tax reduction strategies or what you do for tax reduction strategies. Yeah,
0: you're, you're damn right we do. This is why like, people are interested in deals, but when they come into the mastermind, they start to realize that deals is only one third of the picture yeah and the bigger part is keeping most of your money by paying very little taxes
1: yeah that's i feel like i was fairly tax efficient but my tax bills are enormous and not even just to the federal government also to the state of california where there's significant sums on an annualized basis there's ways to, to better recapture some of that i'm definitely open to listening to that
0: where is your current agi at now approximately adjusted gross income
1: last year it was probably after certain adjustments, like I said, it is variable. I don't know. It was probably in the six, seven hundred thousand dollar range last year. Yeah.
0: So you're probably in the category of most doctors. So the general idea is we're trying to get you out of the red zone, which is under three hundred thirty thousand or so, married filed jointly. Yeah. Are you married? No. Uh, Filing single now. Divorced. Oh no. We got to find Madness. you somebody who's willing to. Just play, <laughs> never mind.
1: <No>, There's plenty <laughs> funny, funny that would we'll probably do that. But.
0: I got a lot of pilot, single pilot investors. some okay. Like four or five of these guys. And I keep telling them the same thing. So <laughs> this whole real estate professional status, 750 hours, you can't do it, my friend. I'm sorry. This is another idea. Maybe for the next five to 10 years is you sell your business and you become more of a passive entity, right? Okay. This is another hierarchy thing you need to be thinking about is changing your income from ordinary to passive and most people think of it as terms of changing their w-2 job to more rental properties indications but it yeah. can also mean changing your business whether it's a chiropractic business or your business where you're just you're not an operation you don't do work you just yeah. have other people work for you and the the business category to the i category but Maybe you can munch on that in your head over the holidays or something like that. But for no, now, I'm certainly,
1: I always try to adjust And my income it is not all of it comes out as W2 income. Certainly, large portion comes from distributions from profitability on the company versus W2 income.
0: Um, but in, in a perfect world, if you could maybe sell the business to some other poor soul who wants to do all the work, create a royalty stream for yourself in a way, but... I know the guy that we ran a corporate office building
1: and I know the guy comes around on the first of the month or he did before he passed away that he owned like ten of those buildings. Kind of an interesting guy and just yeah, you work way too hard for all your money because on the first of the month I just drive around and pick up checks. So Exactly. Yeah. That's where you get to.
0: <laughs> yes. Like for me, I don't make that much active income.
1: It all comes as passive income, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But And that's what I'm I... trying to get to the point where I am generating more passive income. And I've, but I've I taken still... some steps. I still think your highest and best use is just keep doing your business because you, you do well there. Yeah, so you're for gonna sure. Have... Yeah, I'm
1: not gonna I, I'm not looking to give that up anytime soon. But, but I also want to have that safety net of substantial passive income that I can switch back into. A, Uh, a lower gear if i need to at some point or if something happens or if i can't solve the business
0: i want you to keep working your day job because that's your highest and best use that's like tom brady when i don't know how old he is but he's just keep throwing the football tom's almost my age
1: i don't know how he's still throwing he's younger than me by i think a year or two but i don't know how he can still throw a football like that Uh, i went out on the beach and was throwing a football the other day in a flag football game and you know, this is actually like even a year or two ago. And I was like, I don't know. My arm was about to fall off after.
0: Yeah. And the same analogy. <laughs> he's in right? no shape for me,
1: but I obviously. Bet, I bet <laughs> he's
0: super sore still too. I think his arm he, is falling off, but and same thing <laughs> no. for you. I know the business gives you headaches, but I think just do it a few more years, maybe five or 10. I don't know. Get it to a level yeah. where it's manageable. But like now you're trying to create legacy wealth from your family. You're going to blow past four and a half million. I'm looking like, we want to get you to eight figures. Yeah,
1: I think it's definitely within the the realm of possibility with my trajectory. And obviously, you got to get a few lucky bounces along the way, and you got to hope nothing catastrophic happens. And uh, you got to plan for the worst. You got to plan for the best. Also make uh, contingencies in case something bad happens. But yeah, if everything keeps going the way it is, and I keep being fortunate, like I have been in my life, and keep working hard, I think I should be able to blow past that. I'm just on the precipice of starting to, to build wealth. And... Like I said, I acquired that company about 10 years ago. And when I did that, obviously all of my rental property, purchasing stops, all those types of things and everything got dumped into the company. And now I'm just actually getting to the point where I'm starting to get out of the company, some of everything I had to put back into it when I first started it years ago.
0: So again, real estate professional status, we'll talk again, if you ever get married, try and integrate that. And for people listening, what we're talking about is using the passive losses to lower his AGI down to that 300 level or when Biden starts to just destroy people over that $400,000 AGI yes. mark, but that's the game there. But since so if I Hampton become I just that, a
1: justice, so, so as soon as I become a real estate professional, if you will, then I can net off these passive losses from investing in your uh, LPs or from my other real estate properties
0: against my income. And you do 750 hours of active participation. Um, okay. Okay. So that, yeah, but you have to do whatever it
1: does to get qualified as a a real estate professional. Yeah,
0: you're right. You're right. But because you are a single guy and you operate a full-time business, it ain't going to happen for you. Yeah, I know. I mean, my account, I I actually
1: had my real estate license at one point when I went and just got it years ago when I started doing some real, I let it lapse. Now I don't have it anymore. That's a misnomer.
0: So that's not going to help you get the 750 hours of active participation yeah it's not in your personal portfolio is going to be those rental properties or what a lot of guys will do is they just get a little dinky short-term rental and play that off or they do a yeah. little dinky flip just pure for taxes but they can't have that full-time day job which is why you need a spouse that is willing to not have a day job that's oh. difficult
1: yeah there's plenty of those out there looking for that position <laughs> oh we should have a dating thing that's why in the yeah. mastermind
0: thing i put yeah. it here yeah. Okay, we're okay, not gonna match on, make that. people we're just gonna no. to get together and talk about dating tips and stuff like that okay. so for you like the only thing that you have is and i don't do these myself personally but i know a lot of guys in my group does them is like the land conservation easements donating money at a five to one multiplier at most Staying out of like the prohibited transaction or the greedy land where okay. like, you're abusing the system to bring down your taxable uh, AGI or different other strategies like oil and gas investments, which isn't the nice, the best thing these days. And it's really hard yeah. to find an operator in that. But really, those are the only options to you. The analogy I use a lot is the passive losses, real estate professional status. That's good diet and exercise, good sleep, right? It's the holistic solutions to good health. Okay. You can't do that, Steve. We can only give you like Lipitor or whatever, like high blood pressure, like it's got to bring you back from the edge (laughs) right now. That's all you got. And ideally you don't want to be doing that stuff forever. We got to get you to a point, but yeah, whatever life choices you want, you'll be fine. But
1: I want to to start working on building more of my life resume and not so much at the office, I guess at some point, but yeah, I got to keep doing the office thing for, for a while longer for sure to get
0: to that point. But right. But that's, that, those are your options. And if you're at $600,000 HEI and the goal is to get you around 300 or less, maybe throw in 50 grand into a land conservation easement to get $250,000 of lower your HEI, but there's a max you can do that. I think, and this is where all the things always change. And this is why we mastermind about this stuff. And we have that group. We're just going over this on a high level, folks, not giving you advice.
1: Yeah, I've not heard of that land conservation easement. I'll have to do a little bit of research uh, into that.
0: Or Yeah, I, there's a page on my website that kind of has an overview. I think okay. it's at simplepassivecashflow.com land. I think currently you can deduct, you can only do 50% of your income now. So I, I don't know if it's AGI or MAGI or what, but you can't drive your entire AGI down to zero be able to qualify
1: for a loan again either
0: yeah Yeah. nor would you want to but there's been a lot of scrutiny over these things which i think is a little overblown but people are doing these fee simple arrangements where i don't entirely know what the heck it is but i know you for fee simple you can only drive it down 30 percent. but i think still think that's good enough right like i'm not saying go from 600 down to 300 but maybe this year if you want to try it maybe put in Twenty grand to get a hundred thousand dollar deduction see how it works yeah right. okay yeah I'll definitely
1: do a little bit of research on
0: that thank you for the tip i, I hadn't heard of that before yeah, it's uh it's in december already so you got a couple weeks of research buddy you got to get on I get, this i'll
1: have to get on okay. that for sure yeah um
0: but yeah guys will do this every year especially doctors high-paid w-2 guys they'll do this in combination too with real estate professional status so you don't burn up their passive losses okay how does a doctor go about
1: getting a real estate professional designation?
0: Uh, a lot of times they have a spouse that is a homemaker. Oh, okay. I and, see. Uh, yeah. And they'll go and do it. Yeah. It's pretty common, right? Yeah. No, it is. Yeah. It's actually, I do get a lot of clients where it's like both spouses, I have the onboarding call with them and they both come. I'm like, okay, this is refreshing. And they're yeah. both super excited about this financial independence stuff and i'm like oh my goodness don't tell me you guys both love your job we both love our job and I'm like, oh my goodness how is that possible <laughs> so i always ask like which of you guys dislike your job the most or i don't know yeah we got a word in our special way but typically there's one person that's like, yeah I'll, I'll quit my job part-time okay but that's the ideal arrangement that's okay. what i do i just use what i strategize with my accountant is that we just use up. we just burn up our passive losses to drive it down to nothing drive the taxes down to nothing because their logic is a tax savings I could probably make more money than the potential to pay 10 20 percent less taxes in a future year. If you can
1: eliminate taxes that's the best thing but the second best thing is delaying them and if you can delay them by having a, offsetting them by some of the, the losses into and reinvesting it into a future year, yeah, plus much for making money on all of those investments in the meanwhile.
0: Here's the argument. For example, let's just say in the scenario where, you, again, where you have $230,000 of passive losses, yeah. and let's just say you already driven your AGI down to $150,000. And for folks listening, if your AGI is less than $250,000, chillax, dude. Like, you're not paying that much taxes. For you to drive <laughs> it down even more and to execute and activate these passive losses that get you even lower... It may not be worth it because the lower your AGI goes, the less taxes percentage wise you pay because we're not tax taxes. So what I was telling my, my accountant was like, why wouldn't we save this extra hundred thousand dollars and I'll pay some taxes, but that they ultimately got me to side with their strategy. But I think in different situations, it's different for some people. So not one situation fits everybody. At least you and I can intentionally have this conversation. And take that information t- intentionally con- converse with our tax accountant because typically yes, a tax yeah. accountant is not going to really be mindful of this stuff it's not yeah you have to the guide them yes
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah you need to guide them and know somewhat of the overall strategy for sure but
0: uh, yeah anything else
1: any other strategies that you're looking at I, I mean it sounds like i should probably be looking at the infinite banking system i haven't it, I, I get what you're saying about maybe taking the equity out of some of the properties I have and start to redeploying that at higher yielding uh, assets and, and possibly limiting liability by going into some of these. And I was happy to see, I got my first check this month from the first deal we did. So that that's working yeah. so far.
0: You got a lot on your plate, man. You got to sell assets. You got to go into yeah. deals. You got a infinite banking and you got a... I gotta run a company
1: on my spare time. Yeah,
0: maybe do land conservation easement. Conservation easement. Dude, join the mastermind. Like, I guarantee you, if I don't double your money what you paid, I'll let you walk, I'll refund okay. it. Like, it is just no brainer, man. Like, you, you need to talk. You need to build your network with the right people around you. Okay. So,
1: yeah, I definitely have some high net worth friends as well, but some of them are much higher net worth than me then they aren't necessarily doing some of these strategies because they're already over that so that's the
0: problem there are second generational wealth people uh, yeah
1: i have friends yeah that are like second generational wealth and they didn't start with zero in their bank account when they got out of college and started yeah uh, so when i can't say i had zero i was fortunate at least i i didn't have huge loans that were overbearing but i didn't have obviously that thing that i didn't have anybody to lend me a, a ton of money or to give me a ton of money to start with i was I started by saving and just driving the first car I had till two hundred thousand miles.
0: This is your tribe, man. This is all yeah. first generation guys in their like thirty five to fifty five range. They got kids your age, they're in that one the four million dollar range. This is your tribe. Okay. Yeah, I'll
1: definitely look at it then and how often do you guys meet with the
0: mastermind? and uh, oh, we, you guys- we do a live Zoom call every couple of weeks. So whatever you got going on, we can take care of. But what I say is I don't want you guys to spend more than a few hours a month with this group. Just jump on the calls. We record them. So that's going to keep you busy. But use the database to just book a call with every member and see who you get along with. We got a lot of people in California and you meet up for beers or something like that.
1: Okay, so you do have a number of members out here in, in California?
0: Yeah, I'm sure at least a dozen or two in California. That's the majority of where folks are at. Poor guys yeah. pay too much taxes up there. That's <laughs> poor, uh, poor people paying all the taxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then we'll show you the good stuff, like which where to you put your passive investments to circumvent the state taxes. That's one that I've been learning about from some folks lately.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'd certainly be interested in learning more about that if where's ways to place some of these passive investments so that the state of California can not have their greedy hands out into everything, but.
0: Yeah. But uh, cool, Steve. Thanks for doing this. All right. Thank
1: you. It was always uh, good talking to you, Elaine. And so far happy with the the deals I've done so far and looking to see how they, they continue progressing and be interested to in see what you guys are, are putting out next year. I think the next couple months I'm rebuilding up my cash reserves again, and uh, then I'll look to start deploying some stuff. I got lost here in the research as well, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you need help, let me know, man. But yeah, thanks everybody for listening. If you guys want to do these, put yourself out to the world. Shoot me my email at Simple Passive Castle. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you.